Amen. How's everyone this morning? How many of you have your book? Not with you. There's a, on each page, there's a page for notes. And I'm not, I'm not in here. <laughs> Pastor David made this for his notes. So I just thought if you had it with you, you could make my notes. But, I mean, how many of you have enjoyed? Okay, there, okay, thank you. Here's the, the future bird liner. Got notes on the back. <laughs> uh, how many of you have been enjoying the last couple months talking about grace? Hey, Amen. It's been awesome. I was going through this this week. And uh, just feeding myself. It's important that we feed ourselves. Amen. Today I wanted to talk, as I was just thinking about grace this week, sometimes it can be this nebulous idea. Grace, awesome. Can you pray for me? I need some grace. And we pray, and I just started thinking, okay, first of all, what is grace? Because we can read the definition. Awesome, it's God's empowerment. It's God's um, drawing us to himself, forgiveness, salvation. And uh, I just started thinking about what is grace? Like, what is the, the source of grace? And then I came across a scripture verse as I was just browsing through some scripture. On, it says Grow in grace. So I wanted to talk a little bit about growing in grace. But before I get to growing in grace, I want to, because, discover a little bit more what is grace and what is the source of grace. Because too often, and I, grow, I know growing up in the church, Quite often we have times of ministry and prayer and a person can think that just the fact that I got prayed for or prophesied over, boom, now I'm a tree of righteousness. And too many people stay seedlings because they think that somebody just praying for them is going to make them into a tree. Not realizing that we play a part. Do you know you play a part, not the initiation of grace, but in the growing of grace in your life? It's not something that just, boom, you got grace, and boom, you're empowered, and boom, you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember that song? <laughs> and so I wanted to just talk, take a few minutes, and uh, just maybe just unload, unpack a few scripture verses. Is that okay? Try not to put you to sleep. 
Amen. Is, is our scripture, oh, it's, oh, it's working again. Last week, uh, there was a few light bulbs broken. Um, one of the great words when I, when I look at the definition and the concept of, of grace is it's God's or it's divine influence. And, I mean, I've been studying grace. I've been hearing messages on grace. Part of grace, um, the concept of grace has been in our man-to-man Bible study. But the actual word influence, I actually, it just, I don't know, popped out a little bit this week. Because we go through our life, our day being influenced by all kinds of things. We can, um, on the job, we can hear somebody complain, complain, complain. It starts influencing us. We can watch the news. We can watch the news at night or a TV program, and we soak all this stuff in, and we get influenced. How many of us take time to allow divine influence in our life? Think about your day. Think about this past week. Just use that as just a small sample. And think about your time. Think about Maybe the music you listen to, the TV programs you watched, uh, the news reports that you maybe read, um, a podcast that you maybe listen to, your time at work listening to people, maybe some Bible study time. Hopefully you fit that in there. Just do a mental calculation. Think of the events you went to or things you got called into and stressors in your, just think about all the different things you just went through this week. And just do a kind of a mental tally of hours or minutes, days. How much influence did God have in your life? Because grace, we can... I mean, the Pharisees are are one of the greatest examples of head knowledge, of learning, of memorization. And Jesus said, you know what? You come close to me with your lips, but your heart is far away from me. And so we can, we can, we can, put ourselves in an environment, but what, what is really influencing your life? What is influencing your mind, your will, your emotions? What influences your spirit? And we can learn and be, hear all kinds of messages 
But are we really impacted by what God wants to do, what God wants to say, where God wants to take us, where do we really experience the empowerment and God's enabling ability in our lives or does it just come into our head and we heard a great message and we go home and like I like to do and watch a football game and the seed that was planted gets wasted because we don't allow the word to influence us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. Am I putting everybody to sleep? Good, 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 good. What is the source of grace? Well, John chapter 1 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of, his, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Two different things here. Jesus, the living word, full of grace. Then it goes on further. John, if, I don't know, uh, Cora, this is John chapter 1. Oh, those are really letter 14. 14, 15. John bear witness and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And then it says, And of his fullness we have all received. And grace for grace. So the, the person who was full of grace dwells in us. Actually, in Ephesians says we've been joined together with him. Literally says our life has been unified with him. Our life has been unified with the one full of grace. Not only does he live in us, but we dwell in him. And so we have full access to grace through our union with Jesus Christ. Amen? So, you need grace. Awesome ministry time is great. But get to know the person who personifies grace. Amen? Get to know him. Involve him in your life. The next one, the law verse. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The source of grace was the coming, the personification of Jesus Christ. In our lives, the person of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, where Paul is introducing himself to the Roman church and then he, he's talking about Jesus and he says, by whom we have, <coughs> excuse me, verse five, by whom we have received grace. It's because of Jesus Christ coming, sacrificing, purchasing us, which is redemption. Through that, grace is imparted into our lives. Amen? 
Romans 5, verse 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have in, obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. Okay. This must be the King James. The word access. It's through Jesus Christ that we have access by faith into this grace. What is this grace he's talking about? Romans chapter 4. Paul talks about how God imputed righteousness, imputed grace to Abraham, not by works. And, and Pastor Sean did a great job last week. Literally, we've been made righteous. Righteousness has been imputed, not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, not because we somehow initiated some pursuit of God. No, we've been made righteous. Righteousness has been imputed to us simply because of Jesus Christ. And this is the grace in which we stand. And it's Jesus Christ who made that access, that introduction for us into grace. Amen. Amen. And just the word access, you go into the Greek and it talks about it being literally an introduction. It literally means Jesus has introduced us into grace. Now it's up to us to dive further and pursue further and grow into grace. Amen. He provides us that salvation. It's, again, it's grace working in salvation. It's self-drawing us. It's his divine influence on us. There was no way that we could ever experience salvation without his divine influence, without his work of grace, that divine influence coming... <coughs> awakening us, drawing us. And we step in and we have access into grace. How do we access grace? It's by faith. Do I fully understand grace? No. I spent this week on rabbit trails all over the place trying to not figure out, understand a little more. And then I'd spend like an hour reading on this aspect of grace. Then I'd pull out Pastor David's little booklet and I'd spend, I'd spend another half hour leafing through his notes. And it's like, grace is so huge. And it's so incredible. I, don't, I cannot understand it. And I, I kept telling myself every day at the close of the day, it's like, wow, what am I going to talk about? And I'd always go back, okay, i got to go back to my initial thought of growing in grace. And, and I literally have to stay focused because grace is so huge. It's so incredible that we've already spent two, three months. And literally when you go through grace, it's like, oh, Pastor David didn't talk about that. Pastor David didn't talk about that. Pastor Sean didn't touch that. There's so much to grace 
And salvation experience is literally the entry point into grace. Unfortunately for most, the majority of Christians, grace is all about the forgiveness and the salvation experience, and they never dive any further. They never pursue any further. And as a result, so many Christians wipe out because they don't understand that grace is God's enabling ability. It literally allows us to go beyond our human ability, tap into divine ability to overcome and rule. As Luciana said, we can rule in this life. We can experience rulership in this life as we tap into the grace of God, his divine ability. And how do we do that? We allow, allow divine influence into our life. And literally, it's an intentional process. It's an intentional, it's a purposeful setting of time, time to allow the Spirit of God to come and influence our thought process, influence our emotional state, influence our will, influence our heart, our core of who we are. Come and influence us. Amen. Amen. I love this, these next couple passages of Scripture because we, when we start thinking of how some concepts of grace are floated out there, that it's this mysterious thing. Listen to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared. How did it appear? It says, Bringing salvation to all men. So it's not some nebulous thing. We can literally see grace operating through Jesus Christ. Actually, it's almost an essential characteristic, essential attribute of God. You cannot separate grace from God. It's not, not like the Holy Spirit came and then he... He, he kind of gives you grace. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have grace. It's an essential quality of who God is, is his grace. Actually, this, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of grace. So how do you obtain more grace? Drink living water. Living water is the Holy Spirit. And literally, you can grow in grace by, I'll use the word, consuming the living water. Amen? Amen. So, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Listen, he brought salvation, Jesus Christ, instructing us to deny godliness. That was one of the messages of Jesus Christ. To deny godliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly. All those were aspects of who Jesus Christ was and his message. Amen? So literally, grace is personified 
in and through Jesus Christ. Not some nebulous, mystical thing out there that we want to somehow get a hold of in our life and make it work somehow for us. It's something that is realistic, it's real, and can be obtained, and we can grow in. Here's 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This is an interesting passage. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. So you can receive grace, and actually, it can become empty, useless to you. But listen to Paul. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Do we have that passage up there? 1 Corinthians 15 is verse 10. It's interesting. Paul says, I labored, so he was much more intentional. He says, yet not I. But he says, but the grace of God. And interesting how he, he words it which was with me. But the grace of God with me. It's almost like he personifies grace and says, I had grace right alongside me, working with me. Oh, sorry. It was like... Paul is saying, I had grace right there at my side, working along with me. I put time, I put effort, I put study, I put blood, sweat, and tears into this. And I worked abundantly, but grace was right there with me. Wow. The spirit of grace the spirit of grace. You want more grace? Develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You want God's divine ability working through your life, empowering your life, enabling you to rule in this life? Develop, strengthen, grow your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 That's the source of grace. Here, I want to just read a couple words. I know inside this booklet there's some great definitions, so use them. That's awesome. Here's Zondervan. Grace is a dynamic force. What was yesterday, Cora? May the force be with you may may the fourth it was star wars day but anyways but uh, the holy spirit dynamic means living alive active the holy spirit is living he's alive he's active in our lives how many of you have the holy spirit actively working in your life amen the spirit of grace then is active, is alive, and is working in your life. And as you grow that. But 
Zondervan concludes, grace is marked always by God's enabling work within us to overcome again. Luciana, you must have read some of my notes. It said to overcome our helplessness. On our own, actually John 15 says, without, Jesus says, without me you can do nothing. But it's our connection, the branch to the vine, our oneness, our unity with Christ that enables grace's ability in our life and empowers us to overcome even in a helpless situation. You might think nothing is working in my life right now. I've just been through disastrous business things, personal things, relationship things, financial things. If you're still unified with Christ, if you're developing and growing your relationship with the Holy Spirit, then all things are still possible. All things. All things. All things are possible. It's because of our divine connection, allowing divine influence. Here's influence. It's the capacity to have an effect on your character, on your development, on your behavior. So when you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your character, help you mature and grow, help you modify certain behaviors in your life, that's grace working in your life. It allows us to go beyond our human ability. I sometimes look back at the things I've gone through in my life and it's like I could never do it again. It's like, oh, just thinking about some of this stuff exhausts me. But I look back and it's, it's like that was God's grace his strength that allowed me to go beyond my human ability and, and tap, <laughs> tap into the Holy Spirit's ability to help me keep going. Yesterday, I was weed whacking, and that weed whacker is so out of balance. My back was so sore. I got about halfway up here. And I literally sat down on the ground and I said, oh, God, you got to help me because <laughs> I could not do anything more. I was so exhausted and tired and sore. But even in those times, God can give you strength. God can energize you. I don't know how. I, these, see, that's why faith kicks in because faith is not based on what you can see. Faith is anchored in this invisible realm that we do not see, we do not fully understand, but faith is anchored in that invisible realm that somehow we can tap into 
and draw, whether it's strength, wisdom, creative ideas, um, faith allows us to tap in. And it literally can affect our physical. I know in the last month, spending time in Africa, three meetings <laughs> of two hours each, and in an hour drive in between. In that last hour, you're starting to nod off because of jet lag and all kinds of things. And then as soon as you sit down and you start sharing God's word, literally, I'm awake. Literally, I'm energized. And that's the, from the, that's the physical side of things. So somehow you can tap into grace the Holy Spirit can come and energize you and literally affect your physical being. And that's grace. Grace, divine influence, divine impact, divine energy coming. Influence the capacity to affect the character, the development, and the behavior. That's why it can help us in our helplessness. You can say, man, I can't help my behavior. I just fly off the handle just like that. And, you know, they just hit my one button and I trigger and boom. No, you can help it. Yeah. Yes, you can help it. You can help it. You can help it. Oh, Olivia's coming to the piano. Come on. Is there a plug that I can unplug? <laughs> okay, that means I got to move to the, my next page. So, so much of, and I'll just say the North America church because I hear a lot of different videos and different, believe that grace is strictly about forgiveness. I mess up. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace. And they go through this cycle of grace. But you know that Jesus says he grew in grace. He didn't need any forgiveness for anything. He didn't need the salvation experience. He is the salvation experience. So why did he need to grow in grace? If grace is just about forgiveness, all about salvation, why would Jesus need grace in his life? It says... Luke chapter 2, it says in verse 40 that the grace of God was upon him. Do you realize they're talking about a time frame when he was between one year old and 12. That was the time frame where the grace of God was upon him. Then he goes to the temple to be dedicated. And at the end of Luke 2, it says Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor, and the word favor there is the Greek word charis, which is grace. Jesus himself, growing up, grew in grace. Now, if Jesus needed to increase in grace, I, I think I got to look at myself a little closer. <laughs> because grace comes 
and helps us in our helplessness. And one of our helpless conditions was the sin nature that we were born into and the requirement for salvation. But then that is the entry point. That is the access point. That is our introduction into this amazing concept and subject of grace. It's just the entry. I want to, as we close, I want to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 because this, this is the this passage that triggered it all for me. And I'd be remiss if I didn't get to it. Because I want to share just a couple things that'll help you grow in grace. Verse 18, 2 Peter 3, 18, he says, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our introduction into, into grace was our Lord Jesus Christ. So grow in the knowledge of him is a great starting point. What did Jesus do on the day of Pentecost? Peter in his sermon says, what you see here has been shed, shed, shed out by the Lord Jesus. He poured out the spirit of grace. But what kind of triggered this was the word but. All you English majors out there, the word but is a conjunctive. It connects two statements. And it's used to connect two statements that express opposites. What is the opposite of growing in grace? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to read this to you. I want to back up. Back up to verse 14. We're going to just take two more minutes. <laughs> verse 14 says, Therefore, Peter has just finished talking about the coming of Christ, the end times. So he says, Therefore, beloved, since you look at these things, I want to, first thing of growing in grace, be diligent. We need to be diligent. What? To be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Pastor David, practical item number one. Be diligent to be found in peace, spotless, blameless. Number one. Next verse. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. In another translation it says, The Lord is patient. Therefore we have more opportunity to bring salvation to those around us. So number two. Exercise your grace. That's what salvation is. Salvation is not, let, not only the rescuing and the saving of our souls, but it's deliverance, it's freedom, it's, it's healing. So it's exercising grace. It's taking the, the time that the Lord gives us 
and his long suffering in not just boom ending it all right here and now but says hey we have some time let's exercise salvation let's exercise the grace that's been given to us and bring healing bring wholeness bring peace bring deliverance bring freedom to those around us so number two is exercise just as also our beloved brother Paul according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you. So what he's saying is that Paul, he's written several letters. Next verse. And, and Peter actually says, as people have abused and misinterpreted other scripture, he's referring to Paul's letter as actually being scripture at the time. Also in his letter, speaking in, of, in them of these things, in which are some things that are hard to understand, which the, here's, here's number three. The untaught and the unstable distort scripture. This says you need to be diligent and you need to be aware that there are people who are untaught and they're unstable and they distort scripture. And what is the result? Destruction. When we are not diligent, which is intentional, which is purposeful in our relationship with God, when we're not, when we're not purposeful, when we're not exercising the grace that has been given to us, we can succumb to the untaught and the unstable people that distorts scripture and it traps us and gets us going in the wrong direction, destroys us. This is the opposite of grace. If you're allowing unstableness and ignorant people to influence you, that's why you have to be careful of who you associate with who you listen to, who you allow as a mentor in your life. Because if they're ignorant and their, their own life is unstable, they'll destroy you as well. And that is the opposite of growing in grace. It's literally going backwards. And all of a sudden, grace becomes vain and empty in our life because we've allowed ignorant influences into our life that leads to our destruction. Next verse. You, therefore, what's the there, therefore? It's referencing. It says, knowing this, so now that I've warned all of you, no, that's Apostle Peter saying that, not me. What are we supposed to do? You be on your guard. Be intentional. Be purposeful. Be alert. I think in another passage we went through in, in our book, it says, be sober. Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by error of unprincipled men. And fall from your own steadfastness. You've been saved. 
The grace of God has miraculously made you righteous, imputed righteousness in you. Now you are standing on the cornerstone of the foundation, Jesus Christ, the personification of grace. And he's poured out the spirit of grace in your life. And he's introduced you, given you access to the overcoming power, enabling power. He's given you access to that. But if you allow unprincipled people, ignorant mentors, unstable people into your life to influence you instead of divine influence, the grace becomes empty, becomes vain. It becomes a tool of permissive behavior instead of an empowering divine influence in your life that allows you to overcome. And so Peter is warning them. You know this beforehand, so be on your guard. Because when you're on your guard, you'll grow in grace. Amen? So he says, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but rather, on the contrary, next verse, but, contrary, contrary to being carried away. I'm going to say it again. Ignorant people in your life, be careful of them. Unprincipled people in your life, be careful of them. Why? Because they'll lead you to destruction. But if you are careful, and if you're on your guard, and if you're sober, and you listen to principled, first of all, principled person number one, Jesus Christ. Principled person number two, the Holy Spirit. Principled person number three, the Father who is one with Jesus the author you stay connected to those three they'll give you the warning as to who's ignorant who's principled and by just being on your guard and forsaking the influence of uh, of unprincipled and ignorant people just by doing that and connecting to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You will grow in grace. You will grow. You will grow. I was telling Pastor David, this one scripture verse jumped out at me the other day. Paul, he'd been to the church in Corinth four years earlier, ministered to them, imparted... Chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians talks about how he, he gave them the word of wisdom. He, he demonstrated signs and what He demonstrated. Then in chapter 3, he says, but I can't even talk to you now as spiritual people because you are so carnally minded. You allowed ignorant, unprincipled people into your life to the point where you're still babes, I can only feed you milk. 
You're immature still. You haven't grown in anything that I left you with. And as a result, it's like me starting all over again. He says, you're bickering, you're fighting, you're, you're from Apollos, you're from Peter, you're from Paul. And this strife and this arguing. Immaturity. Immaturity. And for four years, Paul looks back and says, I can't even speak to you as spiritual men. Because you're so carnally minded. We need to guard our hearts, our minds against complacency. I wrote these words down. Do not get casual about your spiritual life. Dr. Brown says, if, you, if you're casual, you'll become a casualty. Do not become casual about your spiritual life. Otherwise, you'll succumb to unprincipled, ignorant people. Do not become complacent. Because if you're complacent, you won't weed out the ignorant and unprincipled. And you will drift. I remember Pastor Nelson probably about 20 years ago talked, preached a message on the slow drift. And it's unnoticeable. It's unperceived unless you're on your guard. But if you allow the slow drift, pretty soon you're miles downriver from where you're supposed to be. And that's what happened to the church at Corinth. Paul could no longer speak to them as spiritual people. Do not become complacent or else you'll drift, you'll wander, you'll get lost, you'll take the wrong exit, and you'll end up somewhere you don't recognize, usually on the path to destruction. So don't become casual. Don't become complacent. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. And that's what was happening to these people as Peter was, you're listening to all kinds of stuff, unprincipled men. They, they catch your emotion. They catch you in an emotional state and they lead you astray. Be on your guard. Be diligent. Be purposeful. Be intentional about your spiritual life. And if you do that, you allow the divine influence to impact your heart, your mind, your spirit. And automatically, you will grow in grace. Amen. Take out your grace book. Start reading it. Start learning it. Take, get it to the point where you could share it with some people. You come across somebody that's totally down and out, helpless. And you know, oh, have I got a word for you to help you in your state of helplessness. Do you know that grace of God comes? Amen. And you can start sharing life. And instead of being carnal-minded, like Paul found the Corinthian church, you'll be spiritually minded. You'll be spiritually strong. 
And you'll impart life. And you'll introduce life. And you'll introduce grace into their lives. Amen? Amen. Remember the conjunctive but. Turn around. Go the opposite way. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for, your, for the grace. The, it, the grace that you introduced us through Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, you shed, you poured out the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. The Spirit of grace. Lord, let us not get complacent in our spiritual walk. But let us turn our back on the ignorant, on the unprincipled, on the complacency. Help us to turn our back on that and pursue you. Because as we pursue you, as we pursue and grow our relationship, we will grow in grace. We will grow in power. We will grow in anointing. Because you are the source of all of it. You are our source of divine empowerment and ability. And Lord, help us to continually and consistently look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody said amen. God bless you with an awesome afternoon.